Hello and welcome to Ballot to Talk About. It's Sunday the 22nd of May 2022 and joining me as always from the other side of the globe is my co-host Churn. How's everything going Churn? It's going good thanks, rather busy work-wise and uh, it's been very hot here so um, yeah for those who don't believe in global warming I can definitely say (laughs) it's definitely happening. How about you Sam? I am very, very well. I mean, it's it's a week on, but I still haven't come down from the high of, of second place in the Eurovision Song Contest, hence our introductory song this week. Nor has Graham Norton for that reason, I can see that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any Eurovision fan in the UK has. I think going from last place with no points to second place with our highest ever Eurovision points total um, was quite the comeback. Although we are becoming quite good at finishing in second place if you look at sports-wise as well. And uh, one more thing I will say as well is that I can't believe they actually won the jury vote. I, I mean, know. That was surprising to me. I think, I think when we got 12 points from France and Germany, I saw a tweet where someone had said, Sam Ryder has done more for UK international relations in a century than any Home Secretary. So <laughs> I thought that was great. But um, yeah, there we are. Hopefully next year we can maybe go that one step further, but we'll see. We'll see indeed. But Sam, in Germany, which do which party is out of this world after this after this last round of state election results? Yeah, I mean, talk about the UK's turnaround in Eurovision. There's been quite the turnaround for the former for Merkel's party of the Christian Democrats in Germany, from their lowest ever ebb in last year's federal election to now two fantastic results. Um, across Germany, firstly in Schleswig-Holstein and also in Germany's most popular state of North Rhine-Westphalia just last weekend. And this week we'll be reviewing those state elections and breaking both of them down and then talking about some federal implications of these results for Schultz's ruling coalition and the CDU, which is now led by former Merkel arch nemesis, I don't think it's unfair to use that word, uh, Friedrich Mertz. So, Chern, I thought we should start with Schleswig-Holstein as the earliest of the um, state elections in question today. Could you just break us down the results? And and were you surprised by this? Did you expect the CDU to retain this state and indeed both of the states we're going to talk about today? To be honest, I think I wasn't surprised that they retained both the states, particularly in the last few weeks, the opinion polls that I've been looking at, the, the trend had been their friend for the CDU. But I was surprised by both their margins. I had the opportunity to watch the exit poll for both there. And when the CDU figure came up, particularly for Cedric Holstein, I was stunned by, 40, by, getting, by seeing a four in front of it. What about you, Sam? Were you surprised by the results and did you ex- did you expect the CDU to retain both? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you in that um, the opinion polls did seem to be shifting in the direction of the CDU. So I guess on that 
raw victory sense, I wasn't too surprised. And also on the surface, Schleswig-Holstein was always going to be a tough ask for the SPD because there was a popular incumbent minister-president in Schleswig-Holstein and it's it was fertile ground for the Green Party. So if it was going to be the SPDs to win, they would have to hope for a really poor CDU performance and for the Green vote to filter into their column and neither of those things happened on the night. Whereas North Rhine-Westphalia, it always felt like it should have been within the grasp of the SPD, given their federal performance last year and their recent state election performance in Saarland as well. But again, it seemed to line up for the CDU this time around and then go from relatively relative obscurity in terms of their um, opinion polling performance towards the back end of 2021 to quite a large victory this time around. And I think some of the trends are very similar because, again, you had a strong performance from the Green Party, which just meant that the SPD's voter pool was was split between those two parties and it sort of exacerbated the strength of the CDU performance in this case around as well. Well, let's start with the results in Schleswig-Holstein. Um, so in the Landtag of uh, Schleswig-Holstein, there were a total of 69 seats up for election which meant you need 35 seats to secure an overall majority. The CDU fell agonizingly one seat short of controlling the parliament by itself. Uh, it, it has 34 seats and it took 43.4% of the vote, which is up nine seats and 11.4%. The Greens came in second place with 14 seats with 18.3%, which is up four seats and up 5% of the vote. The SPD, on the other hand, will finish with 12 seats and. Uh, which is a record low performance for them, down nine with 16% of the vote, which is down 11.3%. The FDP was where five seats, which is half the number of seats they had last time, they had nine seats last time, with 6.4% of the vote, which is down 5.1%. And quickly, I just note that among those four parties, it's almost interesting to me that the gain in CDU vote is almost identical to the fall in the SPD vote, and the increase in the Green vote is almost identical as the fall in the FDP vote. Now, we're not suggesting that it was a straight switch between SPD and CDU and FDP to Greens, but I thought that was interesting, noteworthy as well. And a party which, turned, which got one seat in the federal sphere last time around, the South Slash Voter Association, who have four seats in the Landtag, which is up one, and 5.7%, which is up 2.4%. And crucially, that means that they, have, they actually passed the 5% threshold to get seats in their own right, actually, which is interesting enough. And the also another surprise to me was the far-right alternative for Deutschland getting only 4.4% of the vote, down 1.5%. It means that they fall out of the Landtag itself. So Sam, let's start our analysis at the state level by looking at the headline figures for the two big political movements. So what motivates this dramatic fall in the SPD polling and rise in the CDU? And do you agree with me that it's a bit more complicated than just a straight switch from SPD voters to CDU, despite the magnitude of the SPD decrease and increase in CDU votes? Oh, definitely. I don't think it's as, as straightforward as that because we've seen a lot of voter movement in Germany over the last um, 12 months and I think it, it, it would be short-sighted to suggest that, that it's a simple vote transfer between the two 
main parties. I'm going to start by talking about the CDU because I think Daniel Gunter, as the Minister President of Schleswig-Holstein, has a lot to do with this because his approval rating going into this election was 76%. And he even recorded a positive preferred Minister President rating amongst opposition voters. So he was not just... Actually, just on that point, I've got even better statistics. They did the exit polling based on those results. So this is a poll of actually people who are coming out of the polling stations. The electorate itself even screwed even more Daniel Gunther. He got a good rating of 85% and a bad rating of 8 Yeah. So that, that's even better. And if you break down by parties, um, among the CDU itself, he got 98% good rating, which... It's North Korean levels of popularity, frankly. Um, Kim Jong-un will be delighted to get that kind of margin. Among the FDP was 94%. Among the Greens was 85%. And among the SPD was 80%. Yeah. So this is an astonishing... And even in the AFD, who are actually ironically more... Because the anti-establishment itself, he got approval of 50% among this group. So the, it's, it's a, frankly, I just... I haven't seen anything like this. Have you, Sam? No, no, absolutely. And I think this has a lot to do with how how the CDU performed in Schleswig-Holstein. And it's it's also um, illustrated throughout the country in these state elections where you have, if you have a popular incumbent minister president, then yes, the national picture does play a role in the states, but the, the, these... Um, these results tend to override any national influence because you have a very popular incumbent minister president who is able to pull their party over the line, whatever the national picture is like. Which is why, when this election first took place, because it was the first one, a lot of reaction was saying, let's not be too alarmed for the SPD because it's a popular incumbent minister president who is able to take the CDU over the line. But it's not until you pair it with North Rhine-Westphalia that the alarm bells really start ringing for the SPD because Schleswig-Holstein, yeah, okay, I understand where that loss came from. North Rhine-Westphalia, it starts to become a trend rather than an exception. So I think that's why people have been more alarmed after the second day of state election results than they necessarily were after the first. But veering back to your original question, Chern, about the SPD fall... I think a lot of this has to do with um, being in line with the national trends for the SPD because before the federal election, the Greens and the CDU had been sharing national polling leads, which when the federal election came, the SPD had obviously had an exceptional result compared to the polling earlier in the year. And that that, um, new alignment of the Greens and CDU sharing polling leads sort of faded away. But... That seems to very much be back now in the national picture, which I think is um, causing the SPD some problems. And I think a lot of that is motivated by Schultz's response to the Ukraine crisis, which I think is something we're going to talk about quite a bit throughout this episode, because I think it also plays into why the Greens are doing particularly well, because they've, they've sort of taken over the SPD's position within the coalition as being the strongest on Ukraine. And I think Schultz's hesitancy over Ukraine has really paid a price for the SPD in this election. And um, I think that can't really be understated. But what do you think, Chern? 
I, I think you we cannot ignore the Ukraine situation. Both these states are West German states. So his in what used to be historically West Germany. And I think that also plays a crucial role in this. I'm, I think the sentiment could be very different in East Germany, but certainly in West Germany, which has always been opposed to the Soviet Union, and always, I, I think this has been particularly toxic as well. We, I also had a chance to transform the age breakdowns of the various parties itself. And it is very clear to me that if we look at the 16 to 24 and 25 to 34-year-old age group, among this group, the CDU's perform amongst the lowest age, which is 16 to 24, the CDU's performance only increased two percentage points. Whereas if you look at the 70s and over, the CDU's performance increased by nine percentage points. So it seems to me that the older you got, the more the increase in that CDU vote occurred. So to me, it suggests that, and obviously older voters would have a stronger and clearer memory of the of, of the Cold War and what and how Russia and the Soviet Union behaved during that period as well. So I don't think you can divorce that impact of Ukraine from these results as well. So that's on the CDU side. On the on the and what is interesting to me is that among the SPD vote, we could see that in the 2017 election, they won the 16 and 24 year olds and the 25 and 34 year old group. And it seems that among in the 16 to 24 year group, the, S the SPD vote, nearly half, they went from 27% to 13%. But the CDU vote, as I said earlier, only went up by two percentage points. The majority of their vote went to the Greens, which surged in the polls from 18% to 26%. So there, therein lies the problem. They lost older voters to the CDU, largely, and they lost younger voters to the Greens. I suspect driven by climate change issues and environmental issues. And, and, as we, and I don't think their stance in Ukraine helped the SPD stop in that bleeding of votes there as well. Yeah, and I think there's another specific Schleswig-Holstein point to look at here when, when talking about why the CDU and Greens were particularly successful, who happened to be part of the outgoing Jamaica coalition, which I think is important here, is that um, Schleswig-Holstein is one of Germany's leading states in wind power because of its location between the Baltic and North Sea and is one of the two planned sites for liquid natural gas terminals um, federally, which I think has meant that there's been a huge energy focus in Schleswig-Holstein separate to the energy focus of dwindling as of weaning off Russian energy supplies, but being about a domestic energy supply, which I think has benefited two factions. One, the incumbent government for championing such things, and two, the Green Party for being traditionally vocal on environmental and sustainable energy sources. So when you have that as one of the leading um, topics of conversation, I think the SPD doesn't have such room to operate in because either you're the incumbent government who are talking about championing these causes or you're the Green Party who has that almost built into their political existence. So when you have those two things, the SPD sort of struggles to get in because where the SPD does best is when it's raw economic cost of living arguments. Um, and that's not really what was at play in this Schleswig-Holstein state election. No, I think it's. I think right now, particularly in those West German states, I think there's a there's a feeling that Schultz not only has communicated his Ukraine policy badly, but I think despite the cost of living pressures that they could be willing to take 
a hit to their standard of living, potentially with the increasing power and energy prices that I think the SPD thought that as pragmatic German voters, they might not be willing to take that. Um, but I, I just find it astonishing. I don't recall an election where um, if, if we had the CDU put in its best state performance since 2000, the Baden-Württemberg 2006 Landtag performance, the Greens put in its best performance, and conversely, the SPD put in its worst ever performance in the, in the state election, in, in, in the state. And more interestingly, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Sam. Do you think Ukraine could also explain why the AFD for the first time has dropped out of a regional parliament? I think this is a very significant milestone, don't you think? I, th I think it is. And I think Ukraine plays a huge role in this because the Russia connections have been a long prop, a long term problem for the AFD and the reluctance to distance themselves from such connections, even after the invasion has meant that the AFD's brand, which already was toxic to a huge proportion of German voters, has now become even more toxic and even less justifiable. And that, coupled with the fact that anti-immigration is not particularly a salient political issue at the moment, has meant that the AFD is really struggling. Um, I mean, in fact, the, the party, talking about Ukraine, the AFD in the Bundestag has opposed sanctions and weapon deliveries even since the invasion of Ukraine, which I don't think has played particularly well and is difficult political territory at the moment. Now that's not to say that this could be irreparable damage for the AFD because they're still well positioned if sentiment turns against um, Ukrainian refugees as one example or the cost of living crisis gets even worse. The AFD could be well positioned to do well in the east of Germany particularly but I think their success in this sort of region and the same for North Rhine-Westphalia in terms of the west or north of Germany, I think they really struggle to get involved in the arguments here because the kind of political arguments that propelled them to the forefront of German politics just aren't as salient anymore. And they're really struggling to find a narrative that plays well in the west of Germany. And that's all coupled with the fact they're in a complete federal leadership crisis at the moment and potentially about to veer even further to the right in terms of their party convention later this year where they may elect Bjorn Hocker who is the Turingen um, state leader Wow! who in court in 2019 it was found that it wasn't libelous to call him a fascist so that is potentially where the AFD are going to turn later this year and I think that's just going to make their problems even worse not solve them. Wow that, that, is, that, that is really interesting and we'll definitely be keeping our eyes on that on what happens there. I should say as well, though, that if this is an endorsement, something just occurred to me, if this is an endorsement for Daniel Gunther's policies, particularly, and, and you can, and you're right that, you know, it's particularly as a leading producer of wind energy, uh, the, the, that, you know, some credit will go. We should know that it's a Jamaica coalition, which means that it's CDU, Greens, and FDP. So, but the FDP received no such benefit whatsoever from this coalition arrangement. Um, and it seems to be unfortunately suffering because of its federal implications heading. And we'll talk more about that when we look at North Rhine-Westphalia, which I think is also showing the extent of its problems. But for now, Sam, 
Danny Gunther's in a very privileged position. Abs only one seat short. So you can literally talk to anybody to try and form a government. If push comes to show, Sam, where do you think? Who do you think he would talk to to form government? I what I think will happen here is that I think either the Jamaica coalition continues or the CDU decides to just um, speak to the Greens and go into a coalition with them. I can't see the CDU necessarily going it alone because minority governments are not something that is normal in German politics. In fact, a lot of parties explicitly don't enjoy going into them because they're not as stable and they would rather have way in the excess of a majority than just short of one in in terms of German political trends over the last since World War Two. So my guess is that either the Jamaica coalition persists or the FP, FDP withdraw from it and it continues um, with the CDU and the Greens working together because it's something that has worked in Schleswig-Holstein up to this point and I can't particularly see the Greens having an ideological objection for that maintaining, especially in a state like Schleswig-Holstein. So that, that's where I think it will pan out. I don't know about you, Chern. Well, that's interesting. I wonder if they will actually talk to the FDP, though, because I think in its heart of hearts, it would prefer to govern with the FDP. And, in, and you know, they, they could talk to anybody. So they are pro-business centrist party. The ideological distance between the parties is significantly less from the CDU and Greens. Granted, Daniel Gunther is probably a, is a centrist minister president. And given that, uh, that the part that the state is set to play a key role in Germany's renewable energy drive and transition away from Russian gas, you know, there are grounds of cooperation there. But I nonetheless think that he will probably, my heart suggests that he will probably prefer to go to the seat, uh, to, to go with the FDP in, in, for, a co- for a coalition government. No, I can definitely see the logic behind that. But I think what is definitely for certain is that the CDU will be continuing in government in Schleswig-Holstein and will be keeping you up to date on our social media for sure when we know which way it goes. But we'll also be trying to keep an eye on which way it goes in North Rhine-Westphalia, which in many ways seems to be more complicated in terms of how this might pan out. I think I'll start, Chern, by breaking down the results of this election. So the CDU won the election with 76 seats and 35.7% of the vote, which was up four seats and up 2.8%. The SPD fell down to 56 seats, which was a vote share of 26.7%, which was down 13 seats and nearly 5% of the vote. The Greens went up 25 seats to finish on 39 and gained 11.8% of the votes to finish on 18.2%. The FDP, 12 seats, which was down 16 and was down 6.7% of the vote to 5.9. And the AFD just held on to their representation in the North Rhine-Westphalia Landtag by gaining 12 seats and 5.4% of the vote, which was down four seats and down 1.9%. So quite a lot of change also in West North Rhine-Westphalia, but a big result for the Green Party and also a big result for the CDU holding on to government there. There's an outgoing um, black-yellow coalition between the CDU and the FDP, which saw a net loss of 12 seats, making this coalition, frankly, no longer viable. 
um, falling 10 seats short of a majority in the Landtag. So whatever happens, they're back to the negotiation table. And I wonder, Chern, where it will pan out. But where do you think we should begin? With the SPD? I think the SPD is a good place to start. And I would like to make this point about the SPD. Is that where majority of the damage in this election in terms of seat fall, and this applies to Sir Street Holstein was that, was in the direct mandate or constituencies that it lost. So in 2017, in Sir Holstein, the, CD, the SPD held 10 constituencies. They lost all of them in 2022, eight to the CDU and two to the Greens. Well, here in North Wine-Westphalia, it was exactly the same problem. This SPD had 56 constituency seats heading into this election. They will finish this with only 45. That's down 11. And they lost two further list seats because of the fallen vote. But the majority of the damage that was done here was in the constituencies. And they lost four constituencies to the CDU. And the rest, the seven of them, they lost to the Greens. So I think that's interesting that the weakness of the SPD side is in the direct mandate side. And they are, and the list sort of stems that loss for the SPD in a way and correct, or in, in case North Wine was far, it accentuates it. But... Nonetheless, I thought it was interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that, on the fact that the SPD is worse on the constituency side? Yeah, I think that's almost a curse of how this electoral system functions, because it does mean, I mean, the SPD lost nearly 5% of the vote this time round. That loss in 5% of the votes on the statewide level makes it difficult in constituencies, because in order, the constituencies are first past the post. So you have to be scoring big to win those constituencies. And that 5% drop in the statewide vote could be enough if replicated across the board to lose you a swathe of these constituencies. And it means that you have less of those guaranteed seats on the board. Whereas if the Greens and CDU are racking up votes in these constituencies, even on the list, even if that's not exactly the same as they're racking up votes on the list, it does mean that it tips them over the edge in these constituencies because unlike some of the elections we've been covering recently around the world, it has nothing to do with transfers at all. It's completely first preferences. So a fall in the votes mirrored by a rise in the vote for another party means that that seat is no longer going to fall into your column no matter who that vote is going to. And I think that's what disadvantaged the SPD this time around. Yeah, and I think this time around as well, because the other thing that occurred to me is that the, I suspect the SPD and Greens share a very common centre-left voter pool with each other. And I remember as well, in the run-up to the federal election last year, we talked about how North Wine-Westphalia in 2021 suffered devastating floods through this region. And I think being exposed to one of the threats of climate change, one of the risks of climate change in flood mitigation, in flooding, I think, accentuated the issue of climate change as a material economic issue. And therefore, the Greens, as being the most pro-environmentalist party, were best able to gain here in, in the state election. They were coming, their percentage rate of gains are much more impressive than in Schleswig-Holstein because they were coming from a much lower base in North Wales-Westphalia. Whereas in Schleswig-Holstein, because of its location, their presence of many wind turbines, they could be more used to seeing pro and uh, pro. They might be more used to seeing pro environmental policies. Here, I think the risks of being exposed to the risk of climate change made the electorate much more pro environmentalist to the benefit of the Greens and to the detriment of the SPD. Yeah, and I, I think 
now that you're talking about the Greens, I think it's a good opportunity to talk about um, how the Greens' federal performance impacted this election, because over the last few weeks, the reputation of Robert Harbeck and Annalena Baerbock has skyrocketed in the opinion polls. And I don't, and I don't think that can be understated here when talking about why the Greens were able to pull off such a good result. And here's some stats to illustrate that. So at the moment, Harbeck and Baerbock are two of the most popular politicians in Germany, according to opinion polls, largely because of their new hawkish position on Ukraine, but also because of the work they're doing in the federal government domestically as well. There was an opinion poll conducted by ZDF in the last few days, which asked people, how do you rate how these people have worked in the Ukraine crisis? Baerbock had a a net approval rating of 54% positive. Harbeck, net 49% positive. Schultz was then in third on positive 9%. So there is a stark difference between how people are viewing the performance of the Greens in government versus the SPD. And I think that has been illustrated within North Rhine-Westphalia as well, because quite often North Rhine-Westphalia, because of its size, because of its geographic makeup, because of its demographics, is almost viewed as a mini federal election because it has 20% of the German population and sort of covers all of the bases of, of how the German electorate looks like. So often when these elections are held, it's viewed as a sort of state of the national politics race. And at the moment, it seems to be that the two parties that are viewed in positive light are the Greens and the CDU. And that's the sort of thing we're seeing on the national picture as well. And if you look at the the general government approval rating, and bear in mind, Germany does this on a scale of minus five to positive five. The government itself is on a plus one percent. The Greens in government are plus one point three percent. The SPD are plus 0.7%. And I feel for the FDP, who are on plus 0.2%. But what that shows above is that the Greens are just far more popular than the SPD in government. And I think that's been reflected here. I'm glad you talked about the performance of individual Green ministers as a positive. I think one, one performance of an SPD minister, which dragged down the performance, is the performance of Defence Minister Christine Lambrecht. Because just before the North by Westphalia election result was declared, she was involved in a scandal where she, um, she was accused um, of taking her son on a government helicopter ride on the way to a, going on holiday. So I don't think, particularly in defence, we know it's a crucial portfolio given what is happening with Ukraine and the big changes that are going to happen to German defence policy over the next couple of years. I think having a a scandal-ridden minister in it, and particularly one who from the very start was a surprise choice, I would say, to become defence minister, has not helped Ola Schultz's cause. And I think, and I do wonder whether that was a drag, somewhat of a drag, on the SPD vote. Do you think so, Sam? Yeah, I think the SPD's reputation federally has 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 played a big role here, whether it is the performance of Christine Lambrecht or, as we talked about with Schleswig Holstein, Schultz's personal reputation on the Ukraine crisis. Because look at the campaign that took place in North Rhine-Westphalia. This wasn't just um, a suggestion that the party were aligning with the federal government. Schultz was pictured on pretty much all of the election campaign material alongside the SPD candidate for Minister President 
Thomas Kutsachi, and he spoke at the closing rally in Cologne. He basically made him, himself, he made this election a referendum on the federal government and did not shy away from getting involved here. So I think the federal performance cannot be disconnected from the state performance here in North Rhine-Westphalia as well, which is something you can do for the other parties because it wasn't that big of a federal involvement. But in Schultz's case, he wanted to make North Rhine-Westphalia all about him because initially he thought, if I win here, this is a great stamp in my approval rating. But in the end, I think that tactic dramatically backfired because of the conversation we've been having over the last half an hour, 40 minutes or so, I think has shown how badly that backfired. Well, I think what's interesting is the nature of North Rhine-Westphalia itself, because it's such seen as such a key state, home to one in five German voters, actually. That's how key North Rhine... Everyone looks at North Rhine-Westphalia potentially as a lift for their own party. So I wonder if in 2012, for example, Angela Merkel placed lots of hope in trying to regain North Rhine-Westphalia for the CDU, she nominated Norbert Rothinger, who was then the environment minister as lead candidate, and was forced to sack him after an incredibly poor performance by him in the state election result. In 2017, if you recall, Martin Schulz, who at that time was in the box seat to become German chancellor, put in a lot of work in trying to get to, to, to do for this SPD to retain the minister presidency, which they promptly lost. I wonder whether... Olaf Schultz should have looked to history and worked out that those, me trying to, to try and get a good North Wine West result out of North Wine Westphalia would actually turn out to be a backfiring move in this way because maybe the voters in this state don't particularly like turning, tying federal and state issues together. And that is to my wider question is that are we seeing an effect where because the last elections all took place when the CDU was in government federally, that this is kind of a bit like how we talk in Australia, where they like the government of one party, a government of one colour to be in government in Canberra, but at state level, they prefer another government of another colour at, at state level. Are we seeing some of this recalibration take place? Where Because now we have an SPD government in Berlin. We therefore are much more willing to have a CDU government in North Rhine Westphalia so that they can fight up for our own interests. Quite possibly. Quite possibly that's what we're seeing. But then I think it's difficult to explain results like we had in Saarland earlier in the year, where the SPD performance was off the charts, where it was an outstanding SPD performance. So I think that sort of adds a little question mark to this. And then also looking at the Greens, who are a big player in the federal government. And yet, if they were to go into government in North Rhine-Westphalia, would be in government in 11 German states out of 16. So at the moment, I'm going to reserve my judgment on whether that's the kind of thing we're seeing. But it certainly seems to be that the, there is a backlash to the federal government in these results. And it does seem to be that the voters are choosing to go in a different direction to the federal government in retaliation for how Schultz is behaving in government, which is not something they particularly approve of, it seems. So let's just, we've been talking a lot about the government parties, but let's talk about the CDU. I think of the two, they will be pleasantly surprised by this result, particularly the fact they gain 2% of the vote share and four constituencies as well. Now, Armin Lachette, of course, the chancellor candidate in 2017, was, of course, the previous minister president of, of the state, and he was heavily criticised for the response to the flooding in North Rhine-Westphalia last year. 
Do you think that this election result is a, a vindication for Frederick Mertz's approach, particularly in Ukraine? Because it was notable that he scored what would be a statesmanlike victory by going to see Vladimir Zelensky be before uh, Olaf Scholz did, which I thought was really interesting. Or is it just because he's no longer the federal scene that the CDU was able to recover? Uh, I mean, the shed is no longer the federal scene that the CDU could recover. Yeah, I think Armin Lachette's um, absence from the party scene has been important here because let's not forget that only last year, one of the biggest scandals throughout the the federal election campaign was when Armin Lachette went to his home state of North Rhine-Westphalia after severe flooding and was seen laughing on camera, which completely tanked his federal approval ratings, but even worse, tanked his state approval ratings. And I think him leaving the scene has meant that the party's sort of been able to um, rebrand itself. And let's not forget the current Premier Hedrick Wust has only been Premier for, has only been um, Minister President of North Rhine-Westphalia for just over six months. So it's not a particularly long time to be able to establish yourself. And I think what's carried the CDU through this time is their general party brand in the state, which has not been too tainted by individuals and also the federal reputation. But I don't think that this is a glowing endorsement of the CDU because yes, they did win this election and yes, their vote share went up, but it's still only 35.7%, 76 seats. They still will need to go into a coalition government with, with a rather large party grouping. And also, Hedrick, Hendrik Wust has not had a particularly long time to establish himself. And one of the only things he's known for, if anything, at the moment, is being involved in minor corruption scandals when he was outside of politics because he was involved in selling slots to the former North Rhine-Westphalia minister-president Jürgen Rutgers. So that that's what he's been known for in the past. So I think... The next term will be important for Hendrik Wust to try and establish himself in in um, state politics there as the minister-president. And then we'll be able to see in the next election whether the CDU really has got a firm foothold in North Rhine-Westphalia. This could be the base of quite a phenomenal series of performances in North Rhine-Westphalia, or it could be an exception because of the exceptional unpopularity of the SPD. I, I think the CDU has got some very interesting choices to make here, particularly as it chooses its next coalition partner. I think that will be a discussion that will be very interesting here. But before we move on to that, I'd like to talk about the FDP in general here, because I think this is a good state to talk about it, because we've now had three state elections in a row where they have done not well, to say the very least. And I wonder from the FDP's point of view, whether many of his supporters are feeling a sense of deja vu, because we're beginning to see the run of poor state election results that are beginning to mirror what happened when it last entered government in Angela Merkel's second term in 2009. And, and, and we saw what happened to the FDP in the next federal election in 2013, when it didn't even make the 5% threshold. So, so Seth, is the FDP in this situation just a victim of tactical voting? Because as you said, Olaf Schultz was on many of the posters. The SPD clearly wanted to reclaim this. So did some FDP voters who are naturally more right-leaning just move their votes over the CDU to prevent that? Or is this a wider problem from the fact that the FDP is in government federally and they do not do well 
when after they head into government federally? I really think it's a, a combination of factors for the FDP. One of which is I think a lot of their voters may have gone to the CDU to to block out the SPD. But I think one of their bigger problems is that the Greens, especially now that they've shifted their foreign policy to a more hawkish position as well, are sort of taking over the centre ground of German politics. And that's that's what the FDP used to pride themselves in. They used to be the perennial kingmakers on the federal level and state level. But now, as I said, the Greens are in government in 11 states. That's the kind of centrist coalition partner of anybody position that the FDP used to completely dominate. And now they seem to have sort of been shut out by the Greens. So I think it's a two-way problem of losing votes because of their um, left-wing coalition involvement on the federal level to the CDU from their more right-leaning supporters. And then the people who do support the more left-wing aspects of the FDP have found a better home within the Green Party. So I think it's sort of a a two-way problem for them. And I think it may end up be a case of history repeating itself for the FDP because clearly the FDP in a federal coalition does not hugely benefit from that if if we look at history. But then I, I said that opinion poll earlier on about government satisfaction. The FDP in government amongst its supporters and amongst everybody else is significantly less popular than the other two members of the government. So I wonder what is what is actually the problem here? Is it just that FDP voters don't like their party being in government? I, I don't really know, to be honest. Well, what I find very interesting is that I remember when the FDP walked out of the 2017 negotiations, is that Christian Littner, who was the party leader then, said that it was better for the party to govern, to not govern at all than to govern badly. But by 2021, they said that they had to enter government federally as a re- because they, are, they had a responsibility to do so. And I wonder if that contradiction between their 2017 position and 2021 has finally come to bear because this is the Im- this is beginning of the impact of where its supporters view that it is not that they are governing badly and that's why they're leaving the party as such, not delivering with two big centre-left parties, some of the gains, even though they hold a finance ministry. And I wonder if Christian Littner could therefore put his foot down more often in the next couple of years. It will be really interesting to see from that point of view. Nonetheless, Sam, I think the FDP right now are in a very, are probably in a kingmaker position because there is an alternative government to be formed, which is a replication of the national government here in North Rhine-Westphalia. The SPD and Greens by themselves cannot get a majority, but teaming out with the FDP can get them over the line. But that only works if the FDP chooses to go along for the ride. So is that feasible? Or will the FDP do it? Or would they try and work with a Green FDP or repeat the Jamaica coalition at the state level in North Rhine-Westphalia? Yeah, I I think the Jamaica coalition is probably more likely. And and I think the main reason for that is that the FDP are struggling um, on state level because of their involvement in the traffic light coalition federally. And additionally, if they were to support such a position in this election, they would not only be supporting a left-wing government, they would be supporting a left-wing government who came second in this election or are perceived to have come second because 
the SPD, if they were to lead a government, they got nearly 10% less votes than the CDU and 20 less seats in the Landtag as well. So I think it would be even worse for the FDP's reputation to prop up that kind of governing arrangement, which makes me think that it's incredibly unlikely that they choose to do that. I think what happens here is either they choose to form a Jamaica coalition with the Greens and the CDU at state level, or they choose to stay out of government entirely and let the Greens and CDU govern just together. Because even those two parties together would have quite a comfortable majority with 115 seats. So I think either the FDP goes into a Jamaica coalition or they don't go into government at all. And to be honest, I think it's more likely the latter for them to just sit this one out entirely. I don't know about you, Churn. Yeah, I think from the CDU's point of view, it's probably easier to have one coalition partner rather than two. And I think the FDP could be in two minds about whether it wants to join that, knowing that they are essentially not needed by the Greens are needed for the CDU to form government, but the FDP isn't. So I think they're more likely to head into opposition. And don't forget, the CDU and Greens have governed at state level before. In Hess, for example, there's currently a second term of a CDU Greens government. So it's not as if at state level, they are not immune to working together. And Bath and Woodenburg is the other way around. The Greens are leading that with the CDU as a junior partner. So I think, it's, I think that the CDU and Greens would do that. But do you think the members of the Greens will accept that, particularly now where they are probably much more centre-left leaning or because the chance to enter government at any state is just too much of a opportunity for them that they're willing to work with the CDU. What do you think? I think we're viewing this these German politics too through a UK-US lens because cooperation is not necessarily as big of a dirty word in German politics as it is in UK politics, which I think I don't think the Green Party members will detest the party too much if they were to go into state government with the CDU because as as we've sort of outlined here, I think it's kind of the only option left on the table for the state of North Rhine-Westphalia at the moment. And in, in previous examples, like in Baden-Württemberg, as the example you used with Rinfried Kretschmann, it has been the springboard to actually controlling the state government yourself if you were to go in this kind of governing arrangement. And I think what the Greens really need in the build-up to the next federal election is to prove in states all across the country that they are viable governing, a, a, a viable party of governance. And this could be yet another example to prove that. And it would be yet another notch on the board for Green representation in the Bundesrat as well. Um, and I think that can't be understated. So I think... The members might have a little bit of discontent for them going into a government with the CDU, but at the end of the day, they would hold quite a large number of seats in this government as well. So their influence wouldn't be non-existent. And they've been able to prove across the board in other states that they can work well with the CDU and reap the benefits of doing so on the federal and state level as well. Yeah, like Sergei Holstein, for example, they they went into government and they emerged with even more seats. So there you go. I think... That was it. So you, so if a prediction you had to make CDU green instead? I think so. I think that's more likely than Jamaica, personally, because I think the FDP will choose to sit it out and collect their thoughts. But yeah, I think green CDU. No grand coalition then? Because grand coalition numbers do work as well. 
They do, but I think that is in this moment a very toxic option, and I would I would be immensely surprised if the SPD were agree to that. I agree. I do, I can't see any prospect. I think the Grand Coalition, the idea needs to take a break for a little while, particularly here at uh, both state and federal level. Well, time is fast running out on a fascinating discussion, and we we like to, we shall end this podcast as we always do with a discussion of the federal implications of these state election results. So, Sam, why don't I take a go first? So let's because I think this, these two election results, particularly with North Wine Westphalia holding one in five German voters, is a very key set of election results to take place. So what can we say about it? Well, I think the SPD, let's start with the SPD as the governing party of Chancellor Ola Scholz. They, they need to up the game. They need to up the communication, particularly about Ukraine. I think the communication and their policy settings need to be adjusted as well. They can see the advantage, particularly here in West German states, are going more hawkish. The question marks on East German states, but I think in West German states, they're particularly rewarding two parties, the CDU and Greens, that had a more hawkish approach to Ukraine. For the FDP, they must be feeling deja vu. I can't see any way else to say that. They are beginning a cycle, which could be 2000, which what we observed at the start of 2009 after they went into government with the CDU. And I wonder now if Christian Littner being, will try and differentiate themselves more or more forcefully advocate FDP priorities in the media to try and show his support to say it's trying to bring something back. Because it seems like, particularly in the short term, that Germany will continue to run up budget deficits. And for a pro-business party, a liberal party, I think that would be very, that there's something that the FDP will want to differentiate themselves more. Um, for the Greens, it's probably the biggest winner, I feel, of these results. Massive increases in their votes. Both states saw their best ever performances. They are, and I noted now in the opinion polls, they're once again challenging SPD for second place in the federal, federal opinion polls. The last few months have been good to them, and it's interesting to see a junior coalition partner being the best beneficiaries out of a government that is seen to be overall traveling in a good direction. And for the CDU, I think that's life in the CDU, but I wonder, it isn't just life because they're now in opposition and the SPD is in government. I think that's still a bit hard to see. But Sam, I'll end on this. I think the biggest losers of this is the Linker, which is a party which wasn't featured in any of the results, is actually in both these elections, and that's largely due to Ukraine. Yes, the AFD suffered, but I would like to point out that in this election, the Linker, these, okay, granted, these are not East German states, but still, in, in Norway Westphalia, on the list, oh, sorry, on the list, the, the Linker got 2.1%, which is down 3%, so more than half their vote again. Similarly, it's stretched with Holstein, they got 1.7%, which is down 2.1%. Considering the problems they're having on the federal level, I think the linker is un gone under the radar as one of the biggest losers of the election. I think I'd like to end that point. Yeah, I think that's an interesting final point to raise because as we've been talking about German politics in recent years, it's usually been the six parties who we're talking about. And actually, the linker have not factored into our discussion today at all and they've now continued um they've maintained their record of being completely out of the land in now seven of the germany's 16 states so yeah that is an interesting comment to make i think i completely agree with the rest of the federal implications you were talking about just then and the one thing i'll add is i think this if this is continued in terms of the kind of 
trajectory of the fortunes of the three main parties in this coalition, it could potentially spell incredibly bad news for the federal traffic light coalition because the FDP have walked out of a federal coalition two times to completely bring down the government and and nearly five times in terms of resetting government agendas. They spent more time in and out of the government in the 1960s, um, which culminated in them leaving um, the Earhart government in 1965. But the biggest one was in 1982 when they left the Schmidt government, which ushered in the coal era. Um, and both of those absences of government were over discontentment with fiscal policy. And now I think if the FDP were to continue, obviously we're in a completely different political era now. 35 years later, um, sorry, more than way over that, 40 years later, and a completely different approach to how governments are formed and collapsed. And in fact, the, there was an opinion poll conducted by ZDF this week which asked, will the federal coalition last to 2025? 74% of people said yes and 20% said no. So there's not a big appetite for this to happen. But I think the FDP, this could be the beginning of them being incredibly frustrated with their governments because they're not necessarily getting their way on fiscal policy and they seem to be paying for it on the state level as well. So I, all I would say as a federal implication is watch this space because if this FDP were to continue performing badly in the state elections we see over the next few years, it could be that this coalition is brought to a premature end. Yeah, that's very interesting indeed. And I think the FDP one is particularly interesting to watch. I, I just, and, and don't forget, Ukraine's only going to get more difficult, particularly the conversations if you sustain a war throughout the, the next couple of months, already the Germans are not seeing in Ukraine's good books at the moment. And I think trying to trying to work out what the next few steps over the summer will be something you and I said we'll be keeping a close watch on to as the next, we have one more state election to look forward to in Lower Saxony, don't we? We do indeed. But I think for now, that is it for the latest episode of Ballot to Talk About. Do join us again next week when we'll be reviewing the results of this weekend's Australian general election, um, which are still coming in as we speak. And as always, we'll bring you up to date on the world of politics and elections around the globe. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at at ballot underscore talk. And do leave us a rating or review or simply tell your friends about us. My name is Sam and until next time, we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>